I, uh, I still take it very serious. Uh, I think God just has a way, you know. I, I know. I know where He found me, and then to think that He gives me a microphone. <laughs> you just got to chuckle at that idea. Um, I can't tell you that I'm will be. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I feel a good spirit here. I don't think there's in your spirit. I don't think there's a lot of tradition here. I, I feel like people are open to, and and I'm I'm just going to talk to us. I don't know. I don't know if you call what I do teaching or preaching. My kids say, Dad, when you go to the pulpit, you just explode. And there's a lot of truth in that. But I, I want to certainly express to you how thankful I am for the opportunity to be in your home and the great food and the fellowship with God's people is just an incredible thing. And then I had a little bit of time to maybe meet a few folks here before we started. What incredible worship. What a great worship team and the people responding. You know, that's the key. God can speak, but you got to respond. And sometimes in tradition, you know, I'm in my travels, I find that sometimes people, they hear, they, I know they hear God. Well, I think they do, but they don't respond. And it's like they're waiting on the new guy to respond. And I love new converts because new converts are just crazy people. <laughs> and they really don't care what you think. I'd love to see that revival hit the church again all across the land. That we're not, we really are not here. I mean, yes, we are. We certainly affect one another and influence one another. But I pray that we are really here to, to meet Jesus today. I really pray that's our heart. I, I need him to talk to me. I need him to talk to you today. And um, so, um, hello, my name is Jerry Staten. I've been clean 18,250 days. <laughs> that's, that's almost true. It's a little more than that now. But I have so much to thank God for all the deliverance and the healings. I've, my wife and I, we have four children, and they're all, they're all pastors, different parts of the country. And um, we have 16 grandchildren. And um, I don't know, I think when you, if people were to ask me, they don't ask me too much, but if they did ask me, how, what do you do to keep your children saved? Or First of all, God doesn't have any grandchildren. Every person is required to be born again. You understand that you must be born again. You have to meet Jesus for yourself. Um, and, then, uh, and then get him busy in the work of God. Don't, I don't know what the deal happens. Sometimes people think, well, when they grow up, then they'll be involved in the work of God. I can already tell you here, I met some of the young people here, and I can already tell you that's not happening. They're already involved. And I do think that's, a, that's an essential 
element, not only for our children, but for the church. You've got to get involved. Whatever you can do, the Bible says do it with all your might. Whatever it is, if you're going to raise your hand, raise it. Don't like wait and wig, get weak about it like, you know, hello? All right. If you're going to make food and you can't cook, make a mess. It's okay. But I think uh, today I, I prayed. I'm trying. You have an incredible church here. I can already feel that. I felt that last night. Um, but I tell you, God, God's doing something in, in, when I say this, his church, I don't mean just this local body. And we need it desperately. We have, I could give you numbers. I can tell you that if you're waiting on the, whatever, the world to go back to the 50s, that's over. The 60s, they're gone. The 70s, 80s, 90s, they're gone. And we all know that 9-11 did something to our nation, opened a door, it seems like, to darkness that has affected our nation. But, I mean, there's probably reasons why. We all know America had not made good decisions. Uh, Morality, I think, was at an all-time low. Uh, You can't trust politicians you can't hello it's the truth I, you know you it's like uh, anyway with that said um when 9-11 happened i don't know how it was here i pastored at that time just outside of washington dc about well about an hour and a half outside by a military base and that morning they scrambled the jets and uh, they were armed and we saw them flying at treetop level toward uh, Washington, D.C. And um, our community, because it was uh, a military community primarily, was, um, they were shaken. We had prayer meetings that building, that, that night we had more people we never met that came to the building to pray. So we moved into a parking lot of a local grocery store and it was packed with people on their faces praying, um, well, doing what they knew about prayer. And, uh, but in a short while, that was forgotten. And um, since then, in these, what, 23 years, uh, surely you know that there have been a lot of things happened that are not good. And America... Um, Oh, I just say it, summarize it by saying America needs a move of God maybe more than it ever has. Uh, in that time, my wife and I, we had started churches in California, Arizona, and then Maryland, and we were there 25 years in 06 when uh, I was the missions director for Maryland, D.C., and we just couldn't get anybody to go to D.C. And uh, so I turned that church to my son and my wife and I. We moved into D.C. The first time in our married life, we lived in a high-rise apartment in inner city. And uh, my wife cried for six months. 
and um, and I so many things that I began to realize. For example, um, reaching people, um, masses of people. I would just walk the streets, and uh, and I soon realized that all of the cultures, the Americans had left, and the rest of the world had come, and. Um, and so they would speak, according to the Washington Post, they speak 191 languages every day in that city. And so, I, I don't know, I just think different. I thought, this is awesome. I can speak in tongues and they'll have no idea. So I would ride the train uh, and I would look for people to sit next to. And, and then I would sit next to them and just speak in tongues. And... I couldn't tell you how many times somebody would say to me, I know what you're doing. And I would say, you do? They say, yeah, I do. And they would begin to weep and say, you're praying. And um, so that's really primarily at the beginning how I met people and uh, all cultures, all kind of cultures. And, And then we rented a little room in a very old building. It was an ugly room, graffiti on the walls, no two chairs matched, no air conditioning, um, not much heat. But the people that began to come, they were not Americans. They were culture, many cultures. Um, and they thought it was beautiful. They thought it was wonderful. And I'm just going to say this. This, this, this is gorgeous. What you have here is just really awesome. But I'm going to tell you, and, and you ought to thank God for it, but I'm going to tell you, you don't have to have this to win the lost. You don't. Matter of fact, I think sometimes our comforts are killing us. We just, we want to be comfortable. We work hard so we can retire. And I'm not, I'm not preaching against retirement. I'm looking to do that someday, Maybe. But, but, but I don't, I think there's a place. Did you know that 85 out of every 100 senior citizens in America has nobody, nobody, nobody to visit them on a weekly basis? No, but they're alone. They're alone. So I'm convinced that one of the greatest harvest fields that we have is our senior citizens of our community. I know they're opinionated and grumpy. Hello? And I'll tell you, when we started the church in Lexington Park, Lexington Park was a community that was settled in 1634 by Lord Baltimore to be a Catholic community. And they have Catholic churches in that community like you have Baptist churches here and I had people tell me you can't win Catholics but I thought well they're just people and so I had one particular Bible study with 22 Catholic people most of them one family and I taught them the Bible study for two years and baptized all 22 of them and all 22 of them received the Holy Ghost so don't. 
Don't tell me they can't be one. Tell me you don't want to reach them. Tell me you don't want to do the work. Just be honest with me. Don't tell me they can't be saved. Catholics make incredible Pentecostals. And uh, matter of fact, somewhere a few years ago, I read this story about uh, a move of the Spirit. Did you know America has had incredible moves of the Spirit in its history? Not just Azusa Street. The one we hear the most about is Azusa Street. But there was a move of God on Notre Dame campus. That's a Catholic university. And two priests received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and were baptized in Jesus' name on Notre Dame campus. Just It takes work. It takes building relationships. It takes... You, we look in our humanity... We like to hang out with people like us. But I'm telling you, what's about to happen, if it hasn't happened here, I'm shocked. In my community, like I said, all the Americans left. So my responsibility was really to reach the world. And they're going to come. You know, they're bringing busloads to the East Coast, and they're just putting them on the streets and... And though I, I like I, I like the fifties and maybe some of the sixties, and you know, of course I was much younger. But uh, but the America then was a strong family base. And when I was a child, all businesses were closed on Sundays, and everybody went to church, even if they didn't want to. They went to some kind of church. So there was a God base, and there was a family base. But we know, we just look around, and we see that the enemy has, has worked while men slept. While the church, we enjoyed our comforts. And I'm not really, I really am not trying to criticize the body of Christ, but I'm telling you, we kind of have this idea of church that, I'm not sure that it's uh, I'm not sure that it's God's concept of the church. So with that said, I'm going to have him put some scriptures up for me and, uh, and then I'm going to preach or teach whatever I want to talk to you about the supernatural church. How many of you realize he's still the same? And the church was never intended. I know we enjoy coming and we enjoy preaching. And those things are, are good. We need them and teaching and we need it. And, but did you know there are actions of the church that must be awakened within the fiber of the church? That we're not designed. You're in the church, you're not designed to just kick back. God didn't create you as the church he didn't call you out of darkness into his marvelous light for us just to show up on Sunday morning. And I know I got to be, I got to be careful with that because I'm not really, I, I hope you can trust me that I'm really not trying to be harsh or mean today. But I told the pastor when I got in the car because I was watching um, our DC church online a little bit and they spend the first 45 minutes in prayer. But it's not like, when I say it's not like where everybody just prays. We give 
we hand them a microphone and we ask them to intercede. And from every culture, like this morning, I didn't get to watch it all, but one of the young men, when I met him, he was a teenager, and he's from the country of Sierra Leone. And he, um, in that time, of course, you live long enough, you get to watch things happen. And I watched him, of course, grow up and uh, get married. And his wife just had a baby recently, their first child. And he went to college and got his degree and... Uh, he's now a dentist and got his own practice in the city. But when I met him, he didn't know Jesus and he had no design, no purpose, no plan. I'm telling you, living for Jesus is the best thing that ever could happen to you. So I watch people, even in church sometimes, they just live their life like it's an accident. That's where you say amen or help us, whatever, oh me. I don't believe that. I believe every day is designed by God for your life. And God has this plan. If you don't seek his plan, the devil's got another plan. And the truth is, obviously you know this, but the the greatest plan is Jesus' plan. And... The most exciting plan. You may not believe that, but the most exciting plan is Jesus' plan. And I watched these young men. Well, the one young man, um, he prayed. Oh, my, he prayed. And I just wept thinking, I remember where he came from. And then the next young man that came, he's from uh, Sri Lanka. And um, uh, so passionate in prayer. And what I believe is this, is that God is raising up a church to match the challenge of the time that we live in. When I say that, whether it's there or here, I still believe that's the truth. That you're not in the church, you're not here today by accident. And I have a responsibility to God, whether my words come across, you know, like fluent or I stumble and like beat you up and... Right, I have a responsibility to God to do my best to challenge you to rise to the occasion because only the church can make the difference that our world needs. Only the church. There's, there's no options. And when he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, And his spirit breathed in you. His plan was bigger than your plan. You may have thought, I just want to get like get married and have a nice family. And he's going, no, you're going to fight devils. I'm going to turn you into a devil chaser. I'm going to make your life so extreme in your walk with God that hell is going to fear you. And you may say... Well, I was raised in church. I don't care if you was raised in a bar. Hello? They're never going to give me the mic back. One more shot, I better give it all. I don't say, Pastor, is it all right if I go down there? Is it all right if I go down there? I don't like standing on platforms. I'm going to get close enough I can lay hands on you. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. And we must pray. 
And I think sometimes it's not that we don't pray. We don't know how to pray. No, by that, I don't mean we know to talk to Jesus, and, but we don't know what to ask for. What do we pray for? Kill all the politicians? Oh. No, I don't think that's good with Scripture. So what do we pray for? And I honestly believe he said it in John 4.35, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Get your eyes off of your own self. I say to the church, well, I don't have this. Let me tell you something. I met people who ain't got squat. And then they find Jesus. Hello? Anybody remember that? I don't think you all came in here like all this slick stuff. You, you look mighty nice today, but I bet there was a time in your life you didn't look so mighty nice. Some of you for sure. When you staggered into church, hello? But God has this divine thing going on. How do you know? God knows the condition our world's in. You don't take God by surprise. He knows what's going on, and he knows what your community needs. And the eyes of God are not on everything that's going on in the world. They're on his people. His eyes is watching what's going on here today. It, de- it, it sees deeper. It sees into your heart. It knows what paralyzes you and causes you to not function in the spirit. And so God wants all across the land. He's got to challenge us. We will not. We're going to be like uh, those four leprous guys. We're not going to sit here and die. I don't know about you. I'm not, if I go out, I'm not going out like uh, with a whimper. Hell's going to know I've been here. And you're going to have to make something in your mind. You say, well, I just want to be, have life easy. I'm sorry. Life, even if you try to make life easy, life ain't easy. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. You got troubles. We come in here looking all good and trying to make everybody think, I got no trouble. Hello? We won't investigate. But the truth is, I'm here, I find this at home, to make an appeal. You got to rise up. I don't... Beyond, you're going to have to, like, how many of you know suffering is like part of God's plan? Oh, my God, did I just say that? <laughs> One time we was starting a church, and we were sitting around the table. We was eating crackers and peanut butter, and it, was, it just was. I don't say that. I look back, I thank God we didn't have anything. I thank God we had to pray for food and pray for transportation, pray for this, the things of life. I'm glad we had to do that. Then I thought it was tough. Now it was a training school. It taught me you can depend on God for everything. He won't fail. He won't fail. We were sitting around the table. My youngest son, he was about three years old at the time. And I don't know, we got into the subject of discussing suffering. And my youngest son spoke up about three years old. He said, got down off his chair and he said, no, none of that suffering for me. <laughs> then he became a missionary to the Republic of Georgia and lived in the house with a dirt floor. Oh, my Lord. I said, son, what happened to the three-year-old? But I'm just telling you, 
when you're going through it in God's plan, it's crazy because you don't feel like it's bad. It's like exciting. Oh my God, what miracles are going to come out of this? I say this, a lot of times we want to see a miracle, but we don't want to be the miracle. So we got that scripture. The supernatural church, that's what I want to talk about. I say this. I'm not, this is an incredible church, a great church. I could feel the spirit of it. You got like elders. You know, my wife and I are the only elders in that whole group of people. They're all like young people. We, no, that's not true. We got one Indian lady who's got silver hair. The, re- the rest of them, they're just young people. You have an incredible, what a base you have here, foundation. People who have lived lives and gone through things and my, they got experience and they're faithful to God and been through all kind of stuff, but you're still here. But I'm going to tell you something. God's wanting to shake your house too. I don't want no more shaking. I don't care. You don't, it ain't going to, it ain't happening that way. You don't get to call the shots. God calls all the shots. And the end time church is not going to be just a group of churchgoers on Sunday morning that clock in and clock out. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a, it's going to be a lively church. It's going to be a church that believes that prayer will be answered by God. It's going to be a church that worships God and lays hands on the sick and the sick recover and casts out devils in the name of the Lord. It's going to be a glorious church. And for that to happen, and it's going to be a church that has incredible amounts of conviction. People are going to walk through the doors and fall on their faces repenting. It can't be. You understand that. It can't be. Whatever average is, the church cannot become average. God ain't going to let it happen. He'll put you through trials that make you pray if you don't want to pray. He'll make you mad at the preacher so you pray for the preacher. Because he's got to get you to praying. Deep, deep, not... How do I say that? You know what I mean? Like, there is a different level of prayer. There is a place that God takes you to that nothing else can take you there. You won't go there on your own. You can't. You're not spiritual enough to go there on your own. It's going to take God taking you through the fire to take you to some places in prayer and you're thinking it's just about you, but no, it's not about you. It's about a world that's rushing headlong toward hell and he needs the church to be a supernatural body. He said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. You know what? See, we don't even want devils coming to church. This year, more than any other time, we've had four particular cases where there were young ladies that were in college who became demon-possessed. And when they come to church... And, and these folks, they don't know. 
They, don't, they think you guys are like gods. They didn't know Jesus. Some of them were Buddhists. Some of them were Hindus. Some of them were Muslims. And they got Jesus. And they just start praying. Because that's what they, we taught them to do. Just pray. And they pray and cast out devils. Don't kid yourself. Those devils are alive and well. Whatever community we're in. Yeah. And you think, well, just a little acting up. It ain't no acting up. Hello? It's the devil at work. And the church has got to become a powerful force. Surely you can look and recognize that there's things going on in this world that have been organized by hell itself. When people can't even figure out what gender they are, they need help. Amen. And we know that just with common sense. But what in the world causes people to, it's spirits. Matter of fact, I was reading the other day about, you know, in, in the Bible, sometimes they're called gods, little g, gods, gods. In, Matt, in, in Joshua chapter, I think it's 24, where Joshua says, to the people, choose you this day whom you will serve. If you want to serve the gods, little g, that were on before, even before the flood. And I got to think, man, how in the world? Because they're spirits. They're spirits. And sometimes you walk through those doors and you're feeling things you don't feel like worshiping. Hello, maybe you just interacted with the spirit that's living in the spirit world. And you might need to stop and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to give him what I got, be it little or much. And you're going to have to pray for the young people because they are being taught. Our higher education is teaching them that these spirits are just a common way of living, that they're actually getting smarter when in reality those spirits got one thing in mind, and it's the destruction of every soul. And the church must become a supernatural body. Maybe in the time past, maybe, maybe. It was okay if there was just one person who was a soul winner. No more. Get that out of your thinking. When you were called out of darkness, God had an assignment for you. It's kind of like the story of Esther, right? You're going to have, you, one way or another, you're going to have to make a decision. Because whether you decide it or not, they got a decree out there. That's what this Mordecai, I told Esther, he, they've already made a decree. They're going to kill y'all. And sometimes we don't think that way. We think, well, we'll just work with it. There's some things you can't work with. You're going to have to pray. Like, I'm not, not that you don't pray, but you've got to recognize that God allows you to go through stuff to take you to another level. And the church is like Esther. You're going to have, if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish, but I'm not going to die. I am not going to perish sitting on the sidelines somewhere. Hell's going to know who I am. The devil's going to, I'm going to pray, and people, my neighbors are going to feel God, and you're going to have to get holy boldness. So you're, we can't be like you. Who said? I, not, trust me, you don't want to be like me. i got to live with me. But I'm talking about boldness. You know, the more I've been in the city, the bolder God makes me. 
I don't have no problem walking up to people saying, you know Jesus Christ? You better get it right. He's about to come back. Well, is that, and that's the other thing. The enemy's got everybody thinking, well, that's rude. Really? It's, it's not, you're not being rude. You're trying to get people ready. Anyway, you're going to have boldness. The, the, the supernatural church is going to be, there's going to come a service. I love church. I love church. Because you never know what Jesus is going to do next. You know that? Boy, it's the truth. Ah! He, just, he can like, you'd be sitting there all cool and stuff, and Jesus walk over and mess up your whole world. <laughs> just one touch of his hand. Just his voice speaking into your spirit. <sighs> a holy boldness is going to have to come up on the church to be the supernatural church. You're going to be in restaurants or in businesses and somebody's going to get sick. And the world's yelling, call 911. And you're going to walk over and say, I'm here in the name of Jesus. Be healed. It's going to take boldness that takes us out not only out of our comfort zone, it's going to make everybody around us uncomfortable. It's a supernatural church. These signs shall follow them that believe. My name that shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. I want to talk just a moment here about speaking with tongues. And I, I know it's, a, it's right in the scripture, so I know it's not new. But in Acts chapter 2, where it talks about these people receiving the baptism of the Spirit, said they heard them speak with tongues when this was noised abroad and right but if you'll read down through there where it talks about them speaking with tongues it says of the people that were observers and watching what was going on they said we do hear them speak in our languages right and what are they speaking the wonderful works of god sometimes you think we're just making gibberish or but when the Spirit comes on you and you're praying in the Spirit with other tongues, I'm convinced that God is prophesying His wonderful works into your life. The supernatural will happen because somebody is going to pray in the Spirit until God changes the church. Trust me, this church is a good church. I'm not trying to mess with you. But they're going to come. They're going to come and they're going to look different than you. And they're going to talk different than you. Hello, they're coming. And they're going to move into your neighborhood. And they're going to like shop in the same stores. But they're here because God, this is my take on it. God has brought them here. Because the missionaries were not getting, they, they're doing their best. But they were not able to get the job done. So God said, I'll just mess up your world. I'll bring all the world over there to you. And I'll give you, you, the church of the living God that had become comfortable. And we're blessed. We're blessed beyond measure. But I'm telling you, when it comes and some Sunday when they walk in, I don't care where they come from and they take up a row and they can't even understand the language that you're speaking. But my Lord, they feel something. And you lay hands on them and they receive the Holy Ghost. Hello? That's not just like a little deal. That's an eternal presence of God. It's not just something we do to join a church. 
It's not something we do to join a club. We are not in a club. We are the last hope for a generation that's about to face eternity. And we must be, must be, must be moved beyond whatever those borders are, you know. Whatever we've thought, whatever is acceptable. And then you got, you got, surely you got to look around and know that even with all those cultures, America, America seems to have just forgotten God completely. In the city that I live in now, most of them are God-haters. How do you hate God? But they are, they're God-haters. And so what's the answer? You know, the church has got to become this body that's, we lock arms. I, I told the pastor this in church says earlier, when I was in the service, one time we had a general alarm go off, and uh, my it, it, it sounded, and then the guy came on the, you know, the speaker, and he said, uh, "All hands on deck! All hands on deck!" Hello. That's what the spirit is saying to the church. All you're all all hands on deck. They're young. All hands on deck. You don't believe in women preachers. All hands on deck. You don't think these young people ought to be doing whatever it is. You know, there's always somebody. But it's all hands on deck. Everybody has got to feel this move of the Spirit that's trying to usher us into places that we don't feel we can go. But the Holy Ghost can take you there. But it will be supernatural. I love the book of Acts. How many incredible things happen in the book of Acts? I'll get there. Let me finish this. Next verse, 18. They shall take up serpents. Eh, they ain't bringing no snakes. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Amen. All I know is the spirit has to rise within us and move us to places. And you, this stuff, well, I'm not living right. Then get to an altar, ask forgiveness and get up and go win the world. And for those of you that may not like that new convert, hello, he's radical, tears up the building, lines pews with addicts and alcoholics, and you're going, no, wait a second. We got a nice little comfortable thing here. Well, God is probably about to, like, change your, hello, your comfort zone. Because they're going to come, and they're coming. Surely you know they're going to come from broken families, and they're not going to know how to interact as we, we want it to be comfortable, but our world has changed all of it for us. And it's going to take a supernatural church to make a difference. All right, I got another passage found in Acts. Here it is. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. 
You know, I heard about, some of you heard this. I heard that years ago in early Pentecost, people came in wheelchairs. Hello? And walked out. And there were places where they just put the wheelchairs on the wall as trophies of what God had done. Anybody ever heard any of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I will say I haven't seen too much of that. And I think, I'm not criticizing, actually, I think there are seasons. I think there are seasons. You remember the story about the, the waters and the guy would go there and the waters would be troubled and somebody would get in his way and he couldn't get in there. I think there are seasons when the Spirit troubles the waters. And it's like a flow. When one person gets healed, all of a sudden they start it starts happening and they come. They come in wheelchairs. They come in crutches. The blind come. The deaf come. Hello? And amazing things happen. And, and then people come. I know sometimes we think we have seen big churches. I was reading about some of the places Charles Finney preached where 15,000 people would show up on a hillside to hear the gospel preached. You know, we think we're doing pretty good. What are you going to do next Sunday? 15,000 show up. And part of us wants to go, that, that ain't happening. That's the flesh talking. But when the Spirit of God starts moving, it's going to blow your mind. They're going to come. People you prayed for, they're going to show up. People you never prayed for, people you thought there was no hope for, they're going to come running to Jesus. Now, I personally believe what I'm telling you. I don't think it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. It's not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but it's the demonstration and the power of the Spirit. That's what the church is all about. The church is about a God who heals, who delivers. And yes, there's that long stretch where we go for teaching and ministry and Church is just kind of, I hate to say it, kind of church as usual. But there comes a day when Jesus walks in. Ah! Kicks down the tables. Breaks down the door. Oh, he said, you're my people. My God, let the Holy Ghost rest on him. Let the introvert become the extrovert. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. And I'm telling you in the history of the church, in the last, particularly in the last 2,000 years, it's documented. It may not have been United Pentecostal. Hello? Well, don't let that shock you. I am United Pentecostal. I carry the card. Hello? But I'm telling you, God is more than United Pentecostal. So this supernatural church, listen, I don't know. So how do you get it? We have fasted for it. We have prayed for it. We have won it, but we really, and to be honest with you, I don't know. You don't, it don't come. You don't get to tell God when to do it. But when the season of the Holy Ghost begins to happen, 
and the season of God, that waters are troubled and the people of God begin to just happens one day. That's all I can tell you is that one day you're in your prime. God's brought you to this place. He's given you all these young men. He's given them assignment. You're going to preach a gospel. You're going to tell everybody about Jesus. You're not weak and anemic. You're not pushovers. You have been called by God. These young ladies, my Lord, God's on you. God, I'm telling you, we got one little Sri Lankan girl. Son, that girl can preach. Raised in like a, I think her father was Buddhist. Mother was uh, maybe just an atheist. But that little girl's 13 years old. 13 years old. Another Sri Lankan girl in college knew her and witnessed to her. And that little girl began to read her Bible. Read her Bible all the way through. They gave her a Bible. She read all the way through the Bible. Read it a second time through. Received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She's now 27 years old. And I promise you, her focus is on Jesus. I got to tell the world about Jesus. We got to tell We got to make a difference. And this is them talking. They come from another country. But they're saying, we got to make a difference in this city. We got to make a difference in what's going on in our world. And it's going to take a supernatural church for that to happen. So, y'all love the book of Acts? You didn't stop at just Acts 2 and 38? Hello. I, tell, I have favorite passages. I love Acts uh, 8, where uh, Philip had a revival in Samaria, and then the Holy Ghost took him down. Hello to the desert, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I figured you know. Don't take it for granted, though, because these people know nothing. They don't know. You can't say, well, you know that story. They don't know. I remember telling the story of David and Goliath. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Not them. They never heard it in their life. And when I told them how that little boy beat that giant, oh, my God, they jumped out of their chairs. They love that story. <laughs> Because they pictured themselves. They're the little one. But the Spirit of God moved on them. And they said, come on, Goliath. I will tear you down. <laughs> so, Philip, right? God takes him to the desert. But you really, I'm going to tell you my translation of that passage. <laughs> Philip did not catch... The 911 train. He did not ride on some bus. Right? Hello? I don't know. Maybe he had his favorite camel. I have no idea. But in my mind, he just took off running. And the Holy Ghost took him right down to the desert. And there's a guy riding in a chariot across the desert. The Ethiopian eunuch. He's riding in that chariot. And Philip just runs up alongside of him. Hey, how you doing? I think the eunuch was a little shocked when this guy, by the power of the Spirit, jumped on board his chariot. <laughs> said, what you reading there? And if you read it, it's Isaiah 53. And it's talking about the hymn that's mentioned in Isaiah 53. And Philip begins to expound to him Jesus. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, son, there's water. I want to get baptized. <laughs> baptized him, right? And then the Bible said, Philip, he just went on his way. There he goes. We saw a cloud of dust heading across the desert. I just love. Uh, it, it, sometimes we think, God, he just can't take care of stuff. Hello? 
I promise you, God can take care of stuff. I promise you, God can take care of stuff. Or how about, I think it's Acts 19. All right, Philip. No, no, Paul. Paul, Acts 19. He laid hands on those uh, good Baptist folks, right? They were followers of John the Baptist, right? And he laid hands on them. Wonderful people. They had a faith in God. They believed in God. They just hadn't heard about this Holy Spirit thing. So Paul, he just whoops it out. Whoa! Bible said he told them, laid hands on them, and they all received the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. Come on, Jesus. Invade the Baptist church today. Reach across denominational boundaries. Go to the Methodist church today. What? Yeah, come on. I'd love to hear about Methodists getting the Holy Ghost today. They used to get it. Hello? Or how about the Catholic Church? What if they broke out in a Holy Ghost spell today? Shock the world. It's going to be, I promise you, whether you're in it or not, it's going to be up to you. But there's going to be a supernatural church. And it's going to be people that you never saw, never witnessed. You might walk down the street of gold with them, and you, they start telling you about, yeah, I was alive in 2025. Hello? And we was laying hands on the sick, and we was casting out devils in Jesus' name. And you thought, I didn't even know these people existed. You follow me? Because there's going to be a supernatural church. And it's going to be the young and the old. And they're going to come. And you're, the day isn't over that you're going to see people get out of their wheelchairs and walk. And I'll tell you something. Sometimes we just look at the response. We say, well, I prayed and it didn't happen. Forget that. Just pray and leave it up to God. It's like cancer. That's like the C word, you know, fear. I understand it. But I'm going to tell you something. The church has got to become the church. And every time we meet together, the Bible says even as it's two or three, it's the church. And we pray in the name of Jesus. And we lay hands on the sick. And we anoint with oil. And we pray the prayer of faith. And we leave the result in God's hand. And we pray for cancers to re be rebuked. Hello? It's going to have to become a supernatural church. And I promise you, I can tell you today, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. If it isn't here yet, it will be. Your season is right at the edge. It's going to happen. They're going to come. You're, this is a good church. You can feel the Spirit of God here. And again, that's what it's about, the Spirit of God moving. They're going to come. People you thought weren't ever going to get saved are going to walk through those doors. And they're going to be like we've heard those stories where they run to the altar and fall on their faces before God. You're going to see it happen. But you cannot be spectators. This is not spectator stuff. you got to be involved. Even if the best you can do is where you're at, raise your hand and pray in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands and worship God. Don't sit there and just observe. Participate. Oh. Listen. I encourage you, respond. Just raise your hands. 
I want to feel that God. I want to move out of, I don't want to be what I was. I want to be different when I leave here today. That's not a cliche. It's like a, a desire, a, a hunger, a thirsting. I want to be used of God. I, I'm limited, but I'll give what I got. That's it. Just raise your hands and tell him, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, use me. He shoro kore taha sandaratai. Shake the day, yea, yea, alababababo sandoreta mashandabai. Kete ye de 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 ye 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 ye. He sadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadad
and he passed her down in Tucson, Arizona. And he and his wife, Frankie, they called and asked me if I'd come and do a Sunday service for him. And I was excited, the opportunity. And I went on that Sunday morning, and there wasn't like a, there wasn't this many people there. There was a small crowd. And uh, Brother Croy introduced me. Uh, I stepped to the pulpit. And when I did, there was just a rush of the Spirit. And I spoke with tongues. And then I waited. There was no interpretation. Well, about that time, there was this real dignified-looking black couple that walked in, and they were standing in the back. And uh, so... When I finished and there was no response, they sat down. I went and preached. I have no idea what I preached. The service was over. I turned the microphone back to Brother Croy, and I went and knelt down to pray. And Brother Croy came over. He said, that couple, they came here to the front. They want to talk to you. So um, I went over, and they said to me, they asked me, when, when had I been to Africa? I said, I've never been to Africa. They said, when, when did you come and learn our language? I said, I don't know no language. I'm doing good to speak English. And they said, but you must. When we came in, you spoke to us in our tribal dialect. And you told us to sit down and wait. And when the preaching was over, the pastor will baptize you in the name of Jesus. No, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I, I feel like we reach a place where we think, you know, it's reserved for the high and the holy. <laughs> Trust me, I wasn't high and I wasn't holy. I was struggling, just a young man. But they baptized that couple. They were at the university there. But he was the chief of a tribe in Africa. And uh, that next week, well... They left. I never heard any more about it. A few years ago, Brother Croy got real sick. And he called and asked me if I'd come and preach again. So I went, and we're sitting around this table at a sidewalk cafe. And I said to them, I told, I said, you remember that couple? And his wife, she spoke up and said, you're the man. I said, man, they done forgot who I was. I said, said you're the man. I said, we forgot who it was. I said, that couple... They went back to Africa, said a few weeks ago, this is years past, a few weeks ago, said little girl come into our service, and she come over to us and said, do you, do you remember my father and mother? It was the daughter of that couple. They told me to come and tell you, when they got back to their village, they baptized the entire village in the name of Jesus. What a God. What a God. I don't know, sometimes, maybe just in our humanity, but we have so small perceptions of what God can do. He's bigger. He's bigger. He can do well. He can do above all that you can possibly think or ask. And not only can he, 
I promise you he's going to. I was reading in Psalm 78. You could look through that verse and he was talking about Israel and Egypt. And down there, it talks about everything they went to, fighting devils, evil spirits that came among them. God sent among them because they had forgotten God. I thought, man, that's America. And, and then the next stanza, it says, and the Lord awakened as one who had been asleep. Oh, come on, Jesus. Uh, how, how many of you felt like that? Man, uh, hello? I'm surely not the only one that thought, I think God might be asleep up there or something. Hello? But I'm telling you, something's beginning to happen. Can you feel it today? Something's beginning to happen. You need to hear it. You need to embrace it. You need to believe it that our God is not dead. His arm is not short. He's not asleep in heaven. And he is awakening. Oh. The church was designed by God. It's not like this building is not the church. It's a beautiful building, but it's not the church. Armando, right here. He's the church. My God. He speaks Spanish. Hallelujah. Come on. Muy poquito español. But we're going to have to preach. We're going to have to learn to preach. Hello? When I say that, I don't know. I think some of our concept is some eloquent message. It really isn't. It's telling people about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. I couldn't tell how many people I met on airplanes. They're trapped. They sit next to me. They're trapped. They're not getting out of there without hearing about Jesus. I've had incredible things happen. One time I was flying, I was invited to go to Toronto to preach for a, a brother, Audley Castro, a Jamaican church. And he called me. He said, you have to come. I didn't want to go. He said, no, you have to come. I said, okay, I will go. I was so tired. So I took snacks and books and said, I will not talk to anybody. And then I sat on this plane, and this little Japanese girl got on sitting next to me. And I'm just being quiet, and she starts talking. What do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. She said, what's a preacher? Son, you just opened a can of worms. <laughs> so I began to tell her, and it was just... I knew she just wasn't understanding it. I had an inspiration. I took my phone out, and I began to show her pictures of all these people that had come to Jesus. And I looked over at her. Tears were streaming down her face. I said, honey, what's the matter? What's the matter? She said, I've never seen so many happy people in my life. I still stay in touch with her. Her name is Nina. She lives in Japan. I say, come on, God. So I get to Audley Castro's place. I, he picked me up at the airport, rushed me right in, put me up in the pulpit. He tells the people, I was sitting in the parking lot, and God said, call Pastor Staten and tell him to come. The guy on the radio told him that. I said, yeah, right. Hello? I was a scoffer. You know what I mean? I, didn't, I couldn't comprehend it. So he again says, God has a design here. Listen, that would... They, when Jamaican has church, they have church forever. And church started on Tuesday night and by Saturday, twice on Saturday and twice on Sunday. And by the time we got to Sunday, there was so many people, they couldn't even all fit in the building. They were standing outside. 
So many, I don't even know how many received the Holy Ghost and how many were baptized, but it was a God moment. You understand? It was a God moment. That's so important in what I'm trying to tell you today. That I know, I know, I love to sing, I love the preaching, I love the teaching, but we need a God moment. We need a God moment. So, I'm going to stop. I probably, I have no idea. Did I go two hours? Oh, help me, Jesus. Would you stand with me? I want to pray. I want to pray.